welcome. Hey, I want to start with something fun here. I'm going to need some help, some participation. Show of hands, who in the room, be honest, who thinks that they are an above average driver? Throw the hand up. You, be honest. You think you're an above average driver. Okay, if you and your spouse are both holding your hand up, one of you is lying. All right, statistics, <laughs> prove that. Uh, my wife knows who it is in our family. Um, but hey, a uh, 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 study was done. 93% of people, 93% of people believe that they are an above average driver. Let's unpack that statistic for a moment. Almost 100 people believe that they are in the top 50%, okay? That doesn't add up, but here's a better one. A poll uh, was done with 800,000 high school students. High schoolers, where are you at? Poll was done uh, with 800,000 high school students. 99% of high schoolers believe that they have above average social skills. <laughs> high schoolers, I love you. But come on, like, come on now, that, that can't be it. We're going to get to uh, these, this above average uh, stuff in a minute. But first, hey, I just want to welcome you uh, here in our Waukesha campus, at our Pewaukee campus, or wherever you are joining us on our online campus. It's good to be with you this weekend. Uh, my name is Garrett. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. Uh, I work primarily with our middle school and high school students. And we got a fun night coming up uh, this evening. It's called our invite night. Uh, this is a night for anyone who's maybe newer, maybe has never been before or just hasn't been in a while, um, or you come every week and you want to bring some friends. It's a good night to come check out RG Youth, what it's all about uh, Sunday, this Sunday night from 6 to 8. We're going to have games, giveaways, a Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to be a good night. We hope uh, you can make it. We'd love to see you there. Um, and I'd be happy to meet you and answer any questions um, about our youth programming uh, and help you and your family get connected. But uh, as Taylor mentioned, we are wrapping up our Achilles series this week. We've been talking about pride. We've been all trying to grow that muscle of humility. I love this quote from T.S. Eliot. He said, humility is the most difficult of all virtues to achieve. Nothing dies harder than to think well of our Selves. And we've kind of tried to mask pride with, with fancy words, right, to not call it pride or anything. There, there's this phrase I came across called fundamental attributor error. Fundamental attributor error, which is basically if something good happens to me, it's because I worked hard and I deserved it. If something good happens to you, that was all luck. If something bad happens to me, it's someone's fault. How could this have happened? But if something bad happens to you, it makes sense. It's probably maybe you didn't prepare enough. You, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you did something to receive that outcome. And this is kind of where pride creeps in. And maybe that above average mindset kicks in for all of us. And I'm not talking about thinking maybe you're a good driver, right? But maybe something a little bit deeper. We're talking about Achilles, but I can't help think of this other Greek mythological character named Narcissus. Narcissist, where we get the word narcissist from, right? To be obsessed with yourself. Narcissist, uh, one day he, he goes out to the water and he looks down into the sea and he falls in love with what he sees. Except the issue is it wasn't some other creature, it wasn't some mermaid, it was the reflection of himself. And he falls so deeply in love, he's, he's, he's entranced, he can't take his eyes away. People, weather, love, food, whatever it is, nothing could pull him away or distract him. And where he, he kind of had his breath taken away from this thing is where he eventually will take his last breath. And he dies in a position of prideful admiration, staring at his own reflection in love with something that he can never achieve. 
And maybe for us, right, maybe it's not so much that, but we definitely all have the Achilles heel of pride. And it can creep in at any given moment in our lives. And that's why there's an invitation for us to a life of humility. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. There's a difference between dying for yourself and dying to yourself. You could die for yourself, just in love with yourself, or you could die to yourself saying, no, I'm going to live a life of humility. I'm going to get rid of this pride. I'm going to fight this Achilles heel of mine. Anybody ever been to a sporting event? when you were maybe like the fan of the away team? Anybody ever been there? I had this happen recently. You're the fan of the away team and it's kind of fun. You know, you show up with a little pride. You're, you know, you're kind of, you know, happy to be there representing, you know. And this is actually, there, there's no good outcome I've learned in this scenario because here's what happens. If your team does poorly, everyone is gonna make fun of you and roast you, right? That's it. But if your team does well, well, now they just want to kill you. And everyone around you is kind of quietly judging you. And it's awkward. Like you're not going to stand up and cheer anymore. And you're kind of just like, you kind of start to feel bad, maybe, if you're a good person. And you're like, I'm just going to leave. I guess we'll just sneak out of the game before they, you know, want to, want to fight me or whatever it is. And you, and you sneak out. And kind of pride can creep in in those moments. And pride can distance us from people. It can distance us from the people around us. But beyond that, pride, it distances us from God. Pride distances us from God. See, pride in our lives, it says, I'm right, you're wrong. Pride says, I don't have anything to learn. I can do it myself. It's all about me. It's your fault. But a spirit, a life of humility says, how was I wrong? How can I serve? What can I do? How can I help? Or it also asks, what can I learn? What if I don't know everything about this topic? What could this person teach me? And if we're being honest, man, as we enter into another political season, or even just as you're sitting around the table this Thursday with some family members, I think many of us could ask some of those questions. What could I learn? How could I be slow to respond and quick to listen? What if I'm wrong? There's an invitation to die to ourselves and live a life of humility that is rooted in the way of Jesus and is drenched in the blessings of God. So what I want to do for us this week is look at the most humble man who ever lived, according to Scripture. According to Scripture, this is the most humble man who ever lived. Do you have any guesses? Throw out some names, any names from the Bible. Who do you think? Jesus, that's typically like, that's the answer, you know, Sunday school, if your kids are RG kids, that's the good answer, right? You get away with it anytime. The scriptures say, Numbers 12, 3, here's what it says. Moses was very humble, more humble than anyone who ever lived. Now, I'm not here to stir up drama, but I'm pretty sure that Moses wrote the book of Numbers. So this is either biblical truth, no doubt about it, or Moses pulled off like the greatest trick of all time and snuck it in there and was like, let's see if God notices, <laughs> like most humble guy who ever lived. And it, it's in there. So we're just going to go with it. We're going to assume it's true. We're going to roll with it. And we're going to camp out in a story in Moses' life that kind of kicks off his big journey in Exodus 3. We're going to hang out there. Exodus 3, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, 
Jethro. So what we see right away as we jump into this story, Moses is living a life of humility. He's living a life of obscurity, right? He, he's a shepherd, which is a pretty kind of low job, right? It's not like this glamorous gig. So he's a shepherd and he's working on his father-in-law's farm. Now, I love my father-in-law. Shout out Mark if you're watching. But, you know, many of us, we wouldn't you know, say that working for our in-laws is maybe the ideal situation for some of us, right? That's not maybe the way to go. But this is actually a very important thing to note because if Moses is working for his in-laws on their farm, it means he doesn't have his own farm and it means he did not inherit a farm from his family. So he is essentially an orphan and he has nothing else to his name and he's living in obscurity and humility. But it's also important for us to remember that this is not how Moses' life really began. This is not how his whole life was growing up. Maybe you're familiar with the DreamWorks epic Prince of Egypt, right? The the movie and and through some unique events, Moses is kind of adopted into the palace and, and becomes essentially a son of Pharaoh and he's raised in royalty. And this lifestyle that he grows up in, it develops a sense of privilege and a sense of pride. And it leads to one of Moses's lowest moments where he takes someone's life. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He's standing up for somebody, but he goes too far. This privilege and this pride, it it creeps in and he takes somebody's life. And many of us, if we're being honest, we're flinching at that word privilege. We don't, we don't like that word privilege. I think that word has kind of become hyper-politicized over the last few years. But if I'm being honest, I'm privileged. If we're sitting in this room today, there is a, a little bit of privilege, right? Like, I know I'm privileged that I get to live in a free country where I can go to church on the weekends, not having to do it in secret and hide that. I know that I'm privileged that I, that I get to drive a car or I have a place to sleep in. I know that I'm privileged that this winter I, I have a coat that can keep me warm. And that isn't the case for everybody. And many of us, to some degree, we are all privileged. We have a sense of privilege. And this is not meant to be a, a question of, you know, your, your work ethic or, or your home life, right? Many of us maybe are, are thinking, well, I've worked for everything I have. I've, I've worked very hard. And that's true. I believe you, I, I agree with you, but, but what can often happen sometimes is we can kind of view that or that can turn into pride. And it's important for us to acknowledge all of these blessings that God has given us, the things that God has done in our lives and not let it manifest itself into a spirit of pride, but rather of humility that God would bless us and how can we be a blessing to others? We all have some sort of privilege, whether that's the social class we grew up in, the money we have, our gender, or even the color of our skin. And the invitation is to humble ourselves before God. The invitation, as we see in Moses, is to, right, maybe there there was a mistake that was made and Moses is humbled by God. And that's what God will do. God will humble the proud. And Moses goes through this season of transformation and he decides to humble himself. And he says, I got to work on myself. I got to go right, work for my father-in-law. And so that's what we see. We see that God sees the humble. God sees humility. God admires humility. He is looking for humble people. 
The second thing we see is that God invites the humble. God invites the humble. The story continues uh, in verse three, 2. It says this, the, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Through, though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Notice how Moses responds to this great invitation, how he responds to the power of God. He kicks off his shoes, right? He, he removes his sandals as he's walking on holy ground. And so we just feel like, man, we haven't been doing this enough in church. And so I just wanna invite everybody real quick, unlace your shoes, kick them off here. We're gonna start doing this every weekend. No, please don't. If you've already started, please put your shoes back on. We don't need that smell in here. But right, there's something cultural that's happening here that Moses enters into this place of worship and he removes his shoes out of response. That's not really something we do when we're in maybe holy places. And, and, but but I, I wonder what this means for us today in church as, as people who want, right, go to church. What does this mean? Like, do we kick off our shoes? Really what I think this spirit of humility is inviting us to is to humble ourselves and keep church about God and not about us. Making church about him and not about me. And if I'm being honest, I struggle with this. It's easy for me to walk around the lobby and be like, man, I kind of miss the old donuts. You know, they were pretty good. I like those ones. Maybe, you know, somebody needs to bring them back. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe being in here, thinking, ah, I don't really like that song. Kind of sung that one a lot. I don't, you know, I don't like that one. Maybe we'll skip it, whatever. I don't, I don't love that. And what happens is we can make church about us. And when pride creeps in, as we are kind of in church together, in this community, what happens is we become consumers rather than contributors. It becomes all about what can I get rather than what can I bring? What can I bring to God? How can I be a part of what is happening here? It, it robs us. Pride creeps in and it robs us from living on mission, from being a part of what God is doing, not just in this church, but in the world and in the city. It keeps us from questioning, God, how can I join in on your great plan of redemption? Remember, the invitation is to die to ourselves. And oftentimes that means that we die to our preferences, our opinions, and maybe even our comfort. There's an invitation from God. And then God is not going to keep it there. God wants to use the humble. That's the third thing we see in this story, that God uses the humble. The story continues. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, 
For I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. I, I want to pause. I just want to encourage somebody. Maybe if you felt like whatever it is that you're going through, that God doesn't see it. Can I encourage you that he sees you, that he is aware of what you're going through, that he cares about you, that his heart hurts when you are hurting. And he has a plan for you that may be greater than what you are experiencing now. And he says, I just need you to trust me, to hold on, that you would see God's goodness in your life. I just want to encourage somebody that God sees you. He is aware of what it is that you came in this weekend carrying and struggling with. Verse 11, we jump in and we see Moses' response to God, right? He gives this huge task. Moses responds, he says, he says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And so this is the moment. Right, this is a huge task that God has now given and invited Moses to be a part of. He says, I want to use you to lead my people into freedom. And I love how Moses responds. He doesn't say, thank you. I've worked very hard for this moment. I deserve this. God, I'm glad you've seen my resume. Uh, thank you so much for noticing me. No, no, no. He says, who am I? God, who who am I? I? I don't have much to my name. I don't, I don't have anything to give, really. I'm not that talented. I don't know if you know about my past. Who am I? And I wonder in a world of filling our resumes, do it yourself, it's all about me, self-proclamation, if we could be a people, if we could be a church that would just say, who am I? Who am I, God, that you would show your, your love, your humility to me? God, who am I? that you would want to use me. One of my favorite athletes, he's the local legend, the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's a very humble guy. There was a video that surfaced recently. I want you guys to check this out. Can I be handsome, beautiful kids, beautiful wife, great family, great teammate, great coach staff, handsome, athletic. I cannot have everything in life. I cannot make threes, too. God had to keep me humble. God said, basically, cannot make threes. Can't shoot. Stay humble, my God. Dominated the paint, rebound, dugging on people, euro stepping. I had to stay humble somehow. Had to stay humble. Handsome. I keep going around all week doing that. My wife's like done with it. Just, handsome, you know. Man, I just, I just believe that there's something beautiful that God wants to do in your life and in my life. If we could just humble ourselves and say, God, who am I? I know I got my strengths, right? But I also know I got some weaknesses. There's some flaws about me. There's some things that I'm, I'm not so proud of. There's some things that I know that I'm not capable of. There's, there, there, there's something within me that just says, God, who am I? And, and I love God's answer. He says, hey, it doesn't matter who you are. It's about who I am. And he goes on to tell Moses, I am the I am, right? So where you are weak, God is strong. Where you are not enough, he is, right? The, the Christian life has nothing to do with what you do, who you are. It is all about what Jesus has already done for us, what, what God wants to do in and through you. It's not about me, it's about him. It's about what God is doing. It's about who he is. It's not about my strength and my power. It's about his. That's what it's always been about. And so when, when, when God's saying, hey, I wanna use you, I want you to be a part of this, would we just humble ourselves? And saying, who am I, God, that, that you would see me, that you would want to use me. And God uses Moses. And he also blesses Moses. That's the first thing we see, that God blesses 
the humble. We see Moses take on this task, this big task, and he leads the Israelites out of Egypt into the desert, leads them to the promised land, and God blesses him throughout this journey. We see it in multiple ways. God blesses him with purpose. God blesses him with purpose, right? Moses has a messy past. He's living in obscurity. He had made some mistakes. He's living in humility. And God says, I'm gonna take this shepherd and I'm gonna turn him into my prophet. I'm gonna take this guy out of the pasture and I'm gonna send him to overthrow the palace. God gave this, this guy a purpose, something to live for, something that was not about himself, something that was about others. That was a part of God's mission, God's vision. And I just wanna encourage you. I believe that God wants to use each and every one of us, despite our past, despite our qualifications or lack thereof. God wants to give each and every one of us a purpose. He has a purpose for us. God also blesses Moses with people. He blessed him with people. Moses is the prophet. He's going to be the spokesperson for God to Pharaoh for the Israelites, right? The only issue is that Moses can't speak well. He even says, he goes, Lord, I have a stutter. I'm not a good speaker. Why would you want to use me? And so God brings Aaron. He brings this guy alongside Moses to work with him, to help him, to serve him. Did you know that throughout Scripture, 146 times the phrase Moses and Aaron is used? Moses and Aaron is used 146 times. And I think that God is trying to tell us in a culture of maybe thinking I have to go at life alone or I, I don't wanna be in community. I can do it myself. I don't need people around me. I think God is trying to tell us we do. That community, that people are important. That there's power when we serve together. That, that, that there's a blessing in people and in community. And there's a beautiful invitation that, that we don't have to do it on our own. We can take that burden away and trust God that, that he's gonna provide us with people. We also see that he blesses him with power. Throughout Moses's epic journey, God is going to perform miracle after miracle after miracle. And it has power on full display. The story has nothing to do with what Moses did but it was all what, Mo, what God was doing through Moses. It was most humility that invited this blessing and God is working through him. God is showing his power on full display. Moses is confident, right? Like scripture says, I'll boast in my weakness for where I am weak, he is strong. That's where God's gonna show up and show his power. And then we see that he blesses him with peace. He blesses him with purpose, with people, with his power. And then he blesses him with peace. See, Moses leads the Israelites in the desert for 40 years. And God's gonna bless him with peace to endure the hardships of the desert, the nagging of the people and outcomes that Moses would not have chosen to experience. God gives him a peace to accept God's plan and God's decision. I remember when I was in high school, uh, my brother, my younger brother had just started dating his now wife. They were freshmen in high school and it's a Friday night. For some reason I was tasked with taking them on a date and I had to drive them, right? And they like oddly enough chose to sit in the back seat together. Like I was an Uber or something. And so I'm driving them around. I drive them, you know, I drop them off at the movies and you know, I, then I park and they go in to enjoy this, this nice date. And I'm sitting there just kind of like, Friday night, I got no plans. I'm not going to the movies. I'm not doing anything fun. I'm not on a date, right? Just kind of sitting there like, cool. All right, bro, I'll be here when you're done. Like, 
have fun, I guess, just driving people around a day. It's not that fun, right? And this is kind of what happens to Moses. He leads Israel through the desert, through all of this stuff, but he's not allowed to get to the promised land. He's not allowed in to the promised land because of some mistakes that he makes in the desert. But God gives him a peace to accept that. God gives him peace to be okay with his decisions, even though they are not Moses' desired outcomes. God gives him peace and humility to accept God's plan. You see, I think more often than not, God wants to bless us not with what we want, but what we actually need. God wants to give us what it is that we need, and that is, is the blessing. Sometimes it's what we want, and that's great. But more importantly, it's what we need. I, I think that God wants to bless us sometimes to get through things, not necessarily to get to certain things. Right? Like I, I may never get to a million dollars, but God might want to bless me through financial seasons and through financial hardships. I may not get to perfect health and a perfect life, but God might want to bless me through seasons where it's difficult. He might want to bless me through those moments that I could learn something, that I could grow in him, he, he may not want to bring us to certain things or lifestyles, prosperity and perfection, right? That may be the case. God may have blessed some of us in those areas. The invitation for us is to see how we can be a blessing to others. But God wants to bless us through those seasons. God wants to bless us in the moment. God's blessing is it's not just about what is around us, what God is doing around us, but it's about what God is doing within us. What is God doing within you? What is God doing within me in this season, whatever season, good or bad, that I may be in? Last week, we got really honest during our service and we wrote down some things that we're anxious about and, and we're worried about and we'd love for God to meet us. And maybe you were, you were one of those people who wrote on the cards and, and dropped them off. We had over 800 people share where it is that they're struggling, where they're worried, where they're anxious, where they'd like God to meet them. And I just want you to know that if, if that was you, if you were one of those people who wrote on those cards that, you know, our, our staff, we were praying for you and, and we would just love to encourage you to not leave that moment here in this room, but rather take, take a next step, whatever that looks like for you. I wanna invite you out to the Connect Wall after service. And, and if you're looking maybe just for a group to join in, whatever it is, it, it, whatever it is you got going on, we got a group for it. Whether it's grief share, whether it's celebrate recovery, whether it's just coming alongside people who are going through the same things as you, who are in the same season of life as you, whatever it is, there's something for it. Maybe for you, that next step is in two weeks, first week in December saying, you know what? I'm just going all in. I'm, I'm getting baptized on baptism weekend. I'm gonna celebrate, right? To end this year, just believing God's best for me. I know that it is hard. I know that some of those things, whatever it is you wrote on those cards, I know it's hard. It's difficult. But I want you to know that I'm proud of you for being honest, for writing down where it is that you are at. And, and we would just love to encourage you to take that next step. As we wrap up our service, we're going to go into a, a time of worship. And I want to invite you to reflect on the goodness of God, where he's been moving and working and, and active in your lives. Our prayer for this series, our prayer for this whole series in Achilles is that we would see and understand the dangers of pride, that we would be aware that this Achilles heel, it can wreak havoc in our lives, that we would see a life of humility is what God invites us to and in part we invite his blessing but may that not be why. 
may that not be why we live a life of humility. See, living a life of humility is not something we do so that we can be rewarded by God's blessing. Living a life of humility is something we do out of response to God's blessing. Friends, God has been good. God has been faithful. God has sent his son, Jesus, already so that you and me could have a way to the Father, so that you and me don't have to be defined by our past, by our prideful mistakes. God has made a way. God has been good. He has blessed me. And that invites me to live a life of humility. It says, God, it's about you. It's not about me. And we see his goodness again and again, and we saw it on full display on the cross as he said, this is my sign of I love you and I have a plan for you and I wanna make a way for you. And that great sign of love, it invites me, it begs me, it bids me to come and die to myself and live a life of humility. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we are grateful that you see the humble. We're grateful that you invite the humble. We're grateful that you use the humble. We're grateful that you bless the humble. God, we're grateful that you've blessed each and every one of us. God, that you would be so humble to humble yourself, to take on flesh, to come to this broken and hurting world, experience a death that you did not deserve so that we could live a life that we do not deserve, drenched in your blessings. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see where it is that you are working, where it is that you are moving, how in the difficulty of our lives, in the hardships we experience, in the struggles of our lives, God, how can we see your goodness even still? God, we declare your goodness. We thank you for your goodness. We love you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.